Brilliant. Well, good morning again. Great to have you in church. Thanks, Guy. Hey, thanks, team. Um, that's brilliant. Hey, I wanted to turn your attention this morning to a little passage of Scripture. Uh, it's a, have you ever written a letter to somebody? I think we all have. These days, not many of us write hard-copied letters and put them in the post box, but we do, of course, write emails and letters and things like that. And, and I want to read part of a letter this morning that uh, a guy called Paul he was obviously a believer in Christ. He was what they, he became an, what they call an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he wrote to a young man called Timothy who was, who was mentoring. Um, and, uh, and, he, and he wrote two letters, actually. It was, and it's called, understandably, it's called 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And so I wanted to read to you a part of the second chapter of 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 to 13. Um, don't forget YPs. Um, that's for me. I'm talking to me. Don't forget YPs. Steve, Steve's taken all the 12 and 13 rolls. Go for it. Have a great morning in your discipleship class. That'd be great. Um, brilliant. Can you, can you guys hear me over that side? It's okay? Can you hear me over that side? It's just that I've got a different lapel mic on this morning. I just wanted to make sure it's working okay. If any time it doesn't, I'll switch to the uh, other handheld mic, but we'll keep on going with this one. So where are we reading from? 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 13. And uh, Paul's writing uh, to this younger man that he's been mentoring called Timothy. Um, in actual fact, uh, you've got to get the context of this, but Paul is writing, he's writing an encouraging letter to Timothy and uh, under extreme circumstances, because Paul is imprisoned in Rome, okay? He's in prison in Rome. Now, you might think, oh, you know, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit separated. We're a bit isolated from the situation Paul would have been in. It, it's not easy to kind of try to grab a grasp necessarily of how Paul was at the, that time, you know? But just think about it, because we think of prisons in Gladstone, I've never been in the prison in Gladstone, but it's, it, it, even in prison in Gladstone, it's quite, it's quite roomy and not too bad compared to what Paul was facing at that moment. Because if, if you were to understand the reality that Paul, this is not the only time Paul was in prison, this is the second time Paul was in prison. The very the first time Paul was in prison um, is that he was in Rome and they imprisoned him and they called it house arrest. And house arrest is where he was allowed to um, stay in a house. He was confined to the quarters, but people could come and go, and he could, he could read the Bible, the Old Testament Bible. He was free to do that. He was free to talk to people. He was free to share his faith in Jesus. So the very first time, which was around 63 AD to 65 AD, okay, that's 63 years after Christ's birth, um, Paul found himself uh, there um, in house arrest in Rome, and uh, the Christian faith, it was kind of gaining momentum in around 63, 65 AD, but it wasn't yet a threat to the Roman Empire. And so they just put Paul in house arrest. But around about in 60, AD 66, 67, by then the Christian faith had really taken off. And there were thousands and thousands of people that had come to Christ. And the Roman Empire could see that it, was, it may be encroaching upon their territory, maybe influencing their belief systems. And so they caught up with Paul again. It was, a very, uh, um, un, it was a very unruly time. It was a difficult time in the world. In actual fact, as I mentioned last Sunday, there was a, there was a guy who looked after um, Rome. He was the leader of Rome called Nero. And uh, allegedly, 
He had burnt part of Rome and blamed it on the Christians. This was around 60, uh, 65 AD. And Paul, and, and so they started to persecute the Christians. And Paul, unfortunately, being a leader, being known and seen as a leader of the Christian faith, they arrested him for the second time. They didn't put him in house arrest. They put him in, a, in prison, the dark, dingy prison, and chained him there. And from there, thankfully, he was still able to write, had a pen and paper or something, or a thumb scribe, and he was able to write this letter to Timothy. Does that give you a bit of context? I actually had some, do you remember last week I just showed you the, because when I was in Rome two weeks ago, on a Sunday, sorry, on a Monday morning, I found what they supposedly believed was where Peter and Paul were in prison. Can I just, can I just show you again? Is that okay? Some of you have seen this, sorry, but just this, the first slide was up there. Here's the, here's the, see this church, this is a church, it was built in the 1600s, and, um, and uh, what they always do is whatever there's a sacred site that they think Christ was involved in, or, or one of the apostles or disciples were in contact with, they build a church over the top of it. Bit of a shame, but anyway, they built this church, that's the outside of the building, that's where myself, Michelle and, uh, and Lydia were uh, just under two weeks ago. And when you go into the right-hand door, sorry about this side, but when you go into the right-hand space, you go down two flights of stairs. Because remember, if you remember, when they built, all of Rome is about, another, about six or seven metres higher than it was in Jesus' day. You know why? Because they've built everything on top of each other. So when you're walking at ground level like that, in actual fact, in Jesus' day, Rome was about six or seven metres lower. So the prison is, is two floors down. Is this too echoey, John? Is it, it might be my problem walking around. I'll just... Um, so the, so the, the prison is under this church about two flights down. So Michelle and I, Lydia, went down there, and uh, this is what we saw. Okay, this is where they supposedly say Paul was in prison when he wrote his letter to, second, to Timothy. You can see Michelle, and I'm just... I'm just there's his prison, uh, supposedly. Okay, I, we don't need to worship this site. You don't need to get up too excited. But if it was, it was a, it was a moment I had right there in that prison thinking this was Paul. And not only was he in this prison, but he was chained in here. And I'll give you a better picture of it. Um, there's a third slide. We just And there it is. Um, so I hope it can give you appreciation. As Paul writes his letter to Timothy, he's writing a letter of thanks from a situation that is incredibly difficult. Who can do that? I tell you what can help you to, to give thanks in all circumstances. is Christ, isn't it? What an amazing testimony Paul had. So we'll turn that one off. Thanks, Sue. Appreciate that. So Paul's in prison. Should we read the verse? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 2 Timothy 2, verses 8. Remember. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Uh, this is my gospel, he says. Verse 9, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. There we go. There's the, he's in prison. He's chained. Not only just in a prison like that, but he's, or that prison, but he's chained. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything. Paul says, I'm enduring everything for the sake of the elect, that, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In other words, I'm enduring everything, the elect, who are they? They're talking about anybody, everybody, he wants to come to Christ. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure with him, we'll also what? Reign with him. If we endure with him, we will reign with him. 
If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he, will remain, he remains faithful, for we cannot, he cannot disown himself. Paul is declaring something pretty amazing. And I want to draw our attention. Last week I just talked about understanding, mis- understanding um, what did I talk about last Sunday? <laughs> understanding, understanding, understanding mistreatment. Do you remember that if you're here? I want to just talk about understanding endurance uh, this morning. I want to, from the point of view of what Paul faced and, uh, and many other disciples on his day. But Paul says this to Timothy. He says in verse 12, he says, Think something, guys, you've got to grab. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we endure. And so Paul emphasizes these two words. or what he, decla- he states these two words. He says there's endurance and then there's reigning. They're two different things. And endurance... Interesting, as I think about endurance, it's not a moment in time, is it? Endurance is not just one prayer. Endurance is is a process. It it means to keep going. It's something that that just doesn't happen, oh, oh, well, I've done my little bit, and uh, it it should all happen. No, no, no. It's it's a process that you've got to keep going. See, it's not like, like, um, you know, not that I actually buy, but, you know, you buy a gold lotto or whatever they call it today. I'm really not up with it. But, you know, you buy and you win $100,000. It's not like you got $100 in the bank one day and next day you got $100,000 because you, you hit the jackpot. No, no, no. Endurance is like you working for five years to save up to get that $100,000 in your bank. That's what endurance is like. It's not, not just a, a one-off thing. It's not just a prayer today and, oh, it should all happen tomorrow. No, sometimes it, it, takes, it takes an effort, doesn't it? It takes, a, it takes a little bit more than just a one week, one day, one month. Sometimes it can be years. You're pressing on. That's what Paul says in Scripture. He says, I press on towards the mark. Why do you think Paul had to say that when he said that? Yeah, I press on. You know why he had to press on? Because there's some things you've got to press through sometimes, and that takes an enduring power. That takes an effort. And I, I don't know what it could be for you this morning, but the word, to give you another definition, means to carry on despite the hardship or to carry on through. And maybe today you could, you could put something in there. Maybe today it's you have to endure, means for you to carry on despite the fact that you got hurt or somebody said something nasty or someone offended you. You've got to endure despite the fact that maybe, you know, your marriage is just on, it's not as steady as it could be and you've got to, but you know, it's not a time to pull out, it's a time to push through, isn't it? Come on, endure. See, I, despite the fact that maybe that prayer didn't get answered straight away, it's a time, you know what? Paul says, the scriptures talk about continually giving thanks, continually praying. Praying again. Well, I didn't get my prayer answered yesterday. Well, why don't you pray again? Why don't you cry out to God again? Why don't you draw near to Him again? See, that's what endurance is, isn't it? See, see, it means now, if we were to look at the other side, oh, the other side of it, we've got endurance, but we've got raining. I, I love the raining bit. I love the victory day. I love the time when we win the race, we get the victory, everything happens well. And to reign means to prevail, it means to, to, to rule, it means to dominate. And, and, but you've got to understand, you don't prevail um, and endure, you don't get, the, you don't get the, um, the reigning bit until you prevail and endure. 
sometimes we love it the other way around. I'll oh, just let me have the victory, God. And no, 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 God says, just work through this and you'll find that the victory will come. See, um, Paul says it so simply, endure and you'll reign. And so many people, well, people I find, and even myself at times, want to reign and rule and have dominion, but have not realized they need to endure. Or they think they can have the reigning, but they never want the enduring bit. And you've got to understand the victory for you and me today or the victory or whatever it may be, does, it, it, it just doesn't happen overnight often. It doesn't happen that way at all. And sometimes we, we see the victory, we see overcoming, but we think we, we forget that there's a moment, a process leading up to that victory. Uh, and and we, we think it, it's not just pure chance that you get to the point where you can smile and be thankful and have the victory. It's not a pure chance. There's been a process happening. It's not, a, it's not pure chance that your marriage is just incredible today. There's been some processes involved. Would you agree? And it's still happening. It's not pure chance that today that maybe you're well and healthy. Maybe you've been through some sickness and had a process to work to that point. Maybe, you know, it's not, not just, a, it's not just a, a pure chance that maybe you're in Christ today. Do you know there was probably someone praying for you and enduring and believing for you and for you to be here this moment? There's a process, there's an enduring moment, there's a, there's a prevailing that happens in life. And I suppose I'm, I'm challenged myself because sometimes I want all the victory, I want the smiling, the day I smile and the, the day to, you know, it's exciting, but you know, there's a process, there's an enduring. Paul says, if you, if you reign with me, sorry, if you endure, you will reign. It's almost, if you sow, you'll reap. There's many versions of it in scripture, I suppose. I was um, just aware this week there was a young man, not a young man, he's in his mid-30s, I think, and his wife died of influenza A in the past week. Anybody see that testimony? Tearful testimony of this young man on national news. Two children, two young children. His wife got sick, um, and, and, uh, and her husband said, hey, you going okay? And she says, yeah, 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 I'll be right. And then that night, she got sicker and sicker, and the next morning, he finally took her to the hospital, and unfortunately, she died. Influenza A. And the reason it was a very sobering testimony for me to hear that, because three years ago, uh, I probably never share this story, three years ago I came back from the Philippines and I contracted Influenza A. And it, it just put me out of it for, um, for a whole week I was in bed. I lost five kilograms and I literally couldn't get out of bed, vomiting, um, high temperatures, headaches, aching body. I had the lot. I didn't realize how, how bad it was. I didn't even realize how dangerous influenza A could be until this week. <laughs> I realized you can die from it. Um, but I remember after that week of sickness, I finally crawled out of bed, was able to get, I went to the, I was on the verge of going to hospital, didn't go, thankfully, went to the doctor's, I remember sitting in the windmill center doctors with a bucket because I just wanted to vomit all the time. And, um, and they told me, uh, you know, you've done blood tests and all that stuff. But after a week, I finally crawled out of bed, was able to stand upright. And I remember for another two weeks, it had just zapped me of energy. I remember pushing a trolley, a shopping trolley around the supermarket with Michelle, had to go home and go to bed again because it just took all my strength to push the shopping trolley. Just physically drained me. Now, the reason I'm telling you that story is because I realized this week for the first time that that was a dangerous thing to have. Influenza A can actually take you out. And I'm just so thankful. 
I'm just so thankful that, you know, in that moment, I've got a praying wife, I've got an opportunity myself saying, God, God, I need your strength. And you know what? I've appreciated now, I've appreciated my health so much more. When you go through the process, you respect the end result so much more. See, you know, when everything's handed to you on the place sometimes, I find that you don't respect what you've got until you realize how much it's taken for you to have what you've got. And that's what endurance is all about. It's coming through, isn't it? Now, there was never a time when I was sick three years ago that I was going to say, oh, that's it, just let me die. I never said that. But, you know, even I felt like that sometimes. But the reality is, you know, I had the will to push through, and I'm thankful I prayed. Obviously, God raised me up again and strengthened me, and and I got through it. But, you know, the point is, is that often in life, um, when we endure, when we go through the process, we come to the end and we really respect what, the, the, what we have and we, um, we respect it and look after it and cherish it because we've been through the process and we know what's important. And you know, it's with our Christian faith. We should respect that because sometimes for you to be here this morning, there's been a process and maybe there's been a suffering and endurance to get to this point. And, and so often we cherish those things that have taken us through some difficulty to get them. So important. So, Paul, he talks, he's sitting in a dingy, dark, damp prison, chained. Obviously, his hands are free to some extent. He writes this letter to Paul, to Timothy. He says, come on, Timothy, I want you to know, he's writing a letter of, can you appreciate the gravity of what he's writing? He's writing a letter of encouragement Well, he himself hasn't got much opportunity for encouragement, and yet he knows the power of enduring. In actual fact, Paul says in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, I know my end is near, in so many words, not exactly those words. In actual fact, in May or June of AD 68, he had his head chopped off and he was executed. Paul was martyred for his faith, so he kind of knew. But you know what? It didn't stop him from writing encouraging words and saying, come on, if you reign, you, if you, sorry, and you enjoy, you're going to what? You're going to reign. I think Paul knew that whether he lived or died, he literally said this in another letter, if you lived or died, didn't matter. <laughs> he, he'd, he'd won already. He'd won already. And you know, in the Christian faith, that's what we can know. We've won already, whatever we face. So quickly this morning, moving on. What about what, what, what happens in that process of enduring moments in life? What happens in those prevailing moments in life? What happens in your life in my life? What's happened in my life? What's happened in your life? So I've identified some things that just happens in our life when we endure and we, we push on through it. And, I, and it may seem very simple, number one, very simple thought, but it's, it's a profound thought, is you know what? You become better people. You know, you, you guys are better people today because of what you've been through. If you're willing to embrace it and move through it and not run away from it, you're better people. I, I talk to people, I talk to you guys, and you say, oh, I've been through this and this and this. You know what? And you've smiled and you've given thanks and you said, God, I'm going to push through, and you're so much better for it. It doesn't feel nice, but you're better people. It's better people. See, James put it this way, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face all different trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. And the endurance finish, let endurance finish its work. Don't run. Don't cut from the race. Don't, don't give up the race too soon. 
Let your endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking what? 